The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for being with us for another edition of Winning Ponies. Got some huge races coming up this week, particularly in the Windy City. We're going to be reviewing those with none other than Frank Angst, uh, who is now with the Blood Horse Magazine. He lives down there in Lexington, Kentucky. Very, very good handicapper, but follows racing across the country, and certainly is going to help us. With the big races from Arlington, of course, the granddaddy of them all is the Arlington Million. This will be the 32nd running. Uh, then we'll uh, see the girls go in the Beverly D. And then the secretariat for the three-year-old boys at Arlington. And then uh, let's take a little trip over to the spa at Saratoga. Got a really good matchup in the Grade 1 Alabama Stakes. So, again, Frank Anx is going to be helping us with those races. And uh, before we get to uh, Frank, I'm going to introduce you to somebody new here on Winning Ponies, and that's Rick Capone. Rick Capone is the author of a new book that's just come out called The History of Old Friends. He's been in the writing profession uh, back since 1985. Of course, you know one of my favorite charities is old friends and an old friend of mine, Michael Blowen, uh, heads it up. He was nice enough to drop a book off at the track for me, autographed by all of the jockeys up at Saratoga. He was uh, coming from Saratoga back to his farm in Georgetown. And uh, while he was there, he was having trouble uh, finding somebody that could get the book to me. And his wife sat down at one of the uh, gaming machines and uh, Walked out $1,900 to the best. So really happy that good things happen to good people. But we'll talk to Rick Capone and his involvement with old friends and, and uh, how he grew from being a sports writer to being a, a really outstanding photographer. We'll talk about some of those racing greats that are there at Georgetown, Kentucky, at Old Friends. Well, uh I hope you've been uh, coming up on the Winning Pony site and pulling down some of the easy win forms. I had some uh, good wins over the last week uh, at at Saratoga. Uh, We had a $2 pick six that paid over $23,000. In the center part of the state, Finger Lakes, a 50-cent pick five returned over $6,500. Then as you head out west, Ellis Park in Kentucky, we had a $1 super that paid over $5,600. Up at Arlington, a $1 Super 5 key paid 5459 And out on the West Coast last week, last Friday at Del Mar, a 50-cent pick five paid $3,951. So uh, winning ponies, a lot more than just a radio show. Get your easy win forms and get yourself some easy and high-paying winners. Well, uh, the news is out. The other shoe has fallen, as they say. 
and it looks like Larry Kalmus, who's been with us on Winning Ponies, uh, you know, he took over the race caller duties at Churchill Downs, and that's when we had him on the show. Well, we may have him on again. He's going to succeed Tom Durkin as the announcer for Naira. Uh, Columnist is now 47 years old. As you know, he now calls the Triple Crown races and the Breeders' Cup World Championships for NBC Sports. He's going to start in April of 2015 during the final month of Aqueduct Racetrack. Uh, He'll be calling at the uh, Belmont Park Spring and Fall Meets and, and, of course, the summer meet at Saratoga. He is going to continue to call the races during the winter at Gulfstream Park in addition to his new uh, Naira duties. And he uh, sounds uh, very, very excited about it. Of course, he last year he was calling it Monmouth before he moved over uh, to uh, Churchill Downs. And uh, the people uh, could not be happier at Naira. Now, John Embriale, the Naira's director of TV production, will call the 2014 Belmont Fall Meet, and he'll be the main race caller at Aqueduct Racetrack, uh, except for that month of April. So congratulations uh, to Larry Kalnis, and uh, it's going to be very, very sad to say goodbye to Tom Durkin. Uh, he's been the Naira announcer there since 1990. He's going to call his last race there on August 31st. So uh, uh, best of luck to Tom Durkin. Uh, I have to say... Uh, I'm a big fan of race callers, and Durkin was my favorite. Well, uh, it was interesting. Saw some uh, stats uh, c- coming up that were uh, put up earlier this this week uh, by Equibase, and uh, it looks like uh, Todd Pletcher is closing in on number of stakes wins. He had 996 earlier in the week. He's closing in on the 1,000 mark. But there is somebody above him. Who would that be? Well, none other than D. Wayne Lucas, who has 1,076 stakes wins. And uh, old coach isn't finished winning stakes uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, just kind of a rundown of the of the top ten or so uh, behind Lucas and Pletcher is Steve Asmussen and Bill Mott. Uh, the late Bobby Frankel, uh, Bob Baffert, uh, Jerry Hollendorfer, Ron McAnally, Shug McGahey, Richard Mandela, all those guys still training, and all those guys very familiar to listeners of Winning Ponies. But, uh, again, Todd closing in on 1,000 stakes victory. And uh, somebody that just logged his 2,000th victory was trainer Donnie Von Hemmel. Uh, he won that back on Saturday uh, at Indiana Grand Race Course. So uh, congratulations to him on getting a win number 2,000. Uh, he's only 52 years old. He's a Kansas native. Uh, people in the Midwest over know him. He concentrates primarily on uh, Oaklawn Park, uh, Remington, and, and, and Arlington. But this one happened at Indiana Grand. Of course, he's the son of longtime Midwestern trainer Donnie Von Hemmel. He also has a brother, Kelly, who's a, a trainer. Now, he has won some big ones because he enjoyed victory at the Breeders' Cup with Caleb's Posse in the 2011 Dirt Mile. Caleb's Posse is a very, very solid, solid horse. So congratulations uh, to uh, Mr. Van Hemmel, and welcome back, Mr. Catalano. Uh, he has finally been released from the hospital. Wayne Catalano was at his barn this morning. He said he's going to gradually ease into his workload until he's back to normal. Uh, So he's going to kind of take it easy. It's a 22-day stint in the hospital. 
uh, for Wayne Catalano. Uh, he, I believe he was actually induced coma there for a while. It was uh, uh, He had type A influenza, turned into pneumonia, acute respiratory disease syndrome. It was very, very scary, much more serious than I think uh, we knew about uh, in public. So uh, the cat, welcome back. Happy to see you at the races. Somebody that we're going to miss at the races for a little while is Jackie uh, Stewart Elliott, who's been on with us on Winning Ponies. He suffered a fractured rib in the morning at the Del Mar Stable area. Uh, he's going to be out, they say, for at least two weeks. Uh, he hopes to come back on Pacific Classic Day. Uh, he had worked some horses and was just making the rounds with his uh, jock agent, and uh, he went a little bit too close to a horse on a hot walker machine and got kicked and caught him. So we do hope Stewart uh, gets back here real quick. Okay, in uh, in breeding news, uh, some uh, interesting information that came out. Dunkirk is relocating to Japan. Now, Dunkirk was the leading North American freshman sire by earnings last year, and he's been purchased by the Japan Race Horse Agency, and he's going to stand there on the island of Hokkaido starting next year. There was no purchase price, but hard to believe that you would part with the North American freshman's leading sire. Of course, he's an eight-year-old son of Unbridled Song, uh, out of the grade one winner secret status, a daughter of AP Indy, so his pedigree obviously is going to bring a lot to Japan. Uh, he previously stood at Ashford Stud near Versailles, Kentucky. His stud fee, surprisingly, was only $15,000. He led all first crop sires last year with earnings of $1,112,000. Uh, don't forget, he also had uh, the Champagne Stakes winner and Breeders' Cup runner-up Havana. And in just a short time, his progeny have earned more than $2.2 million. Must have been a good-looking baby. He sold for 3.7 as a baby. Also, late news, grade one winner Verrazano has been retired, and he is going to Ashford Stud. Uh, as you recall, they moved him over to England, and he uh, had a couple of placings in grade one turf races over there, but grade one winner Verrazano has been retired. Uh, of course, uh, you'll remember he won the uh, the Haskell Invitational, and he's going to be standing at Ashford Stud. So uh, they're, uh, they're losing one to Japan and getting one to Kentucky. And uh, they said that uh, he was had a minor injury that probably would not have allowed him enough time to get back in the Breeders' Cup World Championship, so they just thought it was probably better to retire him at this time. And uh, they said, though it's not a significant injury, uh, they just wouldn't have him ready for the Breeders' Cup, and so they just went ahead and uh, and had him retire. Well, let's go back and take a look at some of the races uh, we handicapped with Ralph Sirocco last week. Uh, Ralph had a couple of really close calls on some big ones. Uh, if you missed it, go back and find it someplace on YouTube or one of the racing channels. The four-star Dave handicap has to be considered one of the ba- best races or rides of the year. The winner was Seek Again with Joel Rosario in the saddle, had a great rail ride, had to wait, 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 wait. Um, just as Ralph predicted, he said uh, Silver Max is not going to get the easy trip that he got in the firecracker. Uh, he was pressed by Sayad the whole way. 
and with Silvermax softened up. Seek again, just squeezed through along the rail after waiting. It's just a fantastic ride by Joel Rosario. Uh, finishing second was eleven to one shot Grand Arch, and third was the three. Jack Milton. Then we went down to Monmouth Park, and here's where uh, Ralphie Baby almost had a huge hit. Uh, the winner was Cassat, the Larry Jones horse who had been sprinting, was going to be stretching out to a mile and a sixteenth, but Larry Jones very high on this horse. She had the speed, she got challenged, but she pulled away. Then up for the second spot, Ralph's long shot play of the day, Aqua Regina, 26 to 1. Got up, but had to be taken down for interfering with Saintly Joan, who got moved up to the second spot. Aquarina down to third. Rhea Antonio finished fourth in that race. Then we went out west to Del Mar, and uh, the question was, would this be a rematch of the Oceanside? And in a sense, it was, because the winner of the Oceanside Enterprising, slight favorite in here, split foes, put on a nice rail rally and just burst away to win by a mile and a quarter. We had uh, talked about her, uh, uh, I'm sorry, we're, we're handicapping the La Jolla. Just so you know, this race I'm talking about is the La Jolla, the grade three, uh, but we're talking about her running the ocean side, which just unbelievable, rallying from 11th to get up by a neck. Once again, Mike Smith was in the saddle. In the second spot, 15 to one shot, I'll wrap it up. And third was Sammy Mandeville. Then at Ellis Park, where they had that nice Cody photography poster, of which we will be giving away in our upcoming handicapping contest. I believe we have one in the works for the Traverse Stakes. Uh, down at Ellis Park, it was the Gardenia, Ralph's best bet of the day. Molly Morgan got the job done, but only by a head. Was very game through the lane, just holding off Tappet's world and uh, running down the speed of Livy McKenzie. So those were the main races we handicapped. But we have to talk about two of the top uh, baby races at Saratoga, always very important races uh, on, on the uh, worldwide program, and that is the grade two Adirondack that was won by Cavorting, uh, who got up by three-quarters of a length over Angela Renee, the favorite, and Wonder Gale. Then it was the boys' turn in the Saratoga Special. Another great race. If you go back and look at this one, I spend it. A son of Super Saver making his second start uh, for Tony Dutro was just trapped. Nowhere to go. Tried to go outside. Went back inside. Slipped through along a small hole on the rail. And then got through to burst through by two and three quarters. A uh, second was Mr. Z, my selection. He had to go five wide, but I'm not going to use that as an excuse. WV Jet Setter was third. All right, that's a look at what happened last week in our selections. But what's coming up right now, one of the newest equine authors in North America is going to be with us. Rick Capone, he's going to tell us about the writing of the history of old friends. You're listening to Winning Ponies. school to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off 
can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and coming up with us right now, again, uh, one of uh, America's newest authors in the equine writing, uh, Rick Capone. And, uh, Rick, we, we have talked uh, a lot about the people that take certiguous routes uh, into the world of racing, and he started as a technical writer for IBM, and he's been in the writing profession since 1985. Um, he's... Uh, been involved in uh, many different sports. He moved to Lexington, Kentucky to work as an editor of Coaching Volleyball Magazine for the American Volleyball Coaches uh, Association. And then in 2009, uh, he visited old friends where he met our good friend Michael Bowen and approached him with the idea of writing a book about old friends. Uh, the, the project kind of got put on hold for a while. And uh, now all of a sudden it's come back to life. It's gone in, in, in full circle, and it's been, now been published by History Press. And uh, I, I hold a copy in my hands thanks to the efforts of, of Michael Blown. And as I told you earlier in the show, uh, good things happen to good people. While he was trying to get the book to me, his wife won $1,900, according to Rick Capone, the story I got earlier today. Rick, how are you doing? Welcome to Winning Ponies. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on, John. Well, happy to. Again, I always like uh, finding out, you know, how, how people uh, come from being a writer from IBM uh, and into becoming a, a, a writer of a, a book on thoroughbred horses. Can you kind of tell our uh, audience uh, your, your introduction to racing and, and eventually to uh, that wonderful farm in Georgetown, Kentucky? Um, well, I got... I, when I switched from tech writing, I went into sports, as you had mentioned, mostly volleyball. And then when I moved up here to Kentucky, um, I discovered horses, which uh, pretty much put volleyball out the window, which much to the chagrin of my boss. <laughs> and then when I met Michael and, and his enthusiasm with the retired horses and watching the horses and going to the track, I just began to get more and more involved in it. And um, today, I'm sports editor for the Woodford Sun in Versailles, which is just outside of Lexington, and I even do a, uh, 
along with all the high school sports I write a weekly um, article on horse racing, mostly recapping the week's races that happened before. And uh, it's just been going on, on and on ever since. <laughs> so that's great. So you weren't uh, involved in racing as a kid or, uh, you know, things along those lines that kind of happened a little bit later in your life. I would watch, you know, mostly like most folks. You know, I'd watch, of course, the Triple Crown races and then any other horse races that were on. Um, for me, it was just mostly about horses. Um, Dad and I used to take weekly summer trips, and one of our first stops always seemed to be Lexington, and I just loved going around the countryside and, and even at that time shooting photos of horses in the fields with, you know, one of those little 110 pocket Instamatics. And uh, that was pretty much my... my um, what I, how I got involved in the sport, just little pieces like that, and then reading books and newspapers. And then when I met Michael, it just kind of exploded and expanded. Well, I, I am glad to see that uh, when they gave out the roster of horses, uh, the book was written uh, uh, fresh enough that uh, well, one of my favorite horses that I've mentioned many times in this show, that, that Cat Launch is down, now down there, and Michael says that uh, his uh, millionaire Ohio bred uh, may be one of his favorite horses on the farm. I want to ask you, uh, the different years you've been going there, obviously you wrote the history of old friends. Uh, tell me about some of your favorites and why. Oh, my favorite. Well, I have to say my all-time favorite is Miss Hooligan. She is um, um, Sunshine Forever. Michael's favorite horse was a broodmare sire, and we actually picked her up up there at River Downs. So it was the first and first time I got to become part owner of a horse. So she's my absolute favorite, of course. Um, <laughs> well, you've got there, a personal investment in that one, Rick. There you go. She comes running every time she sees me. She knows I've got carrots. <laughs> um, great. Other ones are... Um, for example, of course, Sunshine Forever, he's just such a beautiful animal. Um, he passed away this past year, of course, but he was always so majestic. Um, Sarava, the, the Belmont Stakes winner, uh, he's another one that's just, every time he just stands and poses, he's just regal. You really captured him. Uh, there's a great shot for our listeners, uh, a shot that Rick took uh, of, of Sarava, who, of course, was trained by a, a friend of mine that started out at River Downs had his first winner at River Downs, uh, Kenny McPeak. That's that's a great head portrait uh, that you had that you have of him. So before I get get on to some of your more favorite moments and memories, tell me about your your introduction into photography. Photography was mostly just like I said. Just I used to have Instamatics. Always liked to try taking photos. Um, horses are an easy subject. I mean, they just pose nicely all the time. Um, in the gap between when we tried to start the book and when we finally did it, I became kind of like Michael's unofficial official photographer because I just kept going over there like two or three times a week just walking around taking photos. And um, thank God, I just kept getting better and better. And um, anytime like Michael needed a photo quick, I'd be the one he'd give a call to. And uh, I just, I've, I've learned a lot from a lot of good photographers. Matt and Wendy Woolley have taught me a lot um, from Equisports. Um, and Everhart was really nice once. I mean, I only talked to her a couple of times via email. She got me a press pass once to go over to Keeneland one day to shoot over there, you know, the races, which was a lot of fun. Right. Um, so I've, lo- I've learned a lot watching or, or looking at photos of different photographers and then trying to not duplicate, but use some of their examples of um, lighting and posing and that kind of stuff and just kept well, getting good at it. <laughs> 
I really love this this one photo that you have. Of course, one of our favorite horses, uh, Rapid Redo, whose dam used to run at River Downs. I know it seems to be a subject that keeps coming up, <laughs> but uh, uh, the picture of Rapid Redo walking down the fence line with Princess the Cat is is yeah. just fantastic. I, I really like that. And, um, even though he's walking away from you, there's something about that that's very serene. You really you really caught that one, Rick. I'll tell you. Well, that one, believe it or not, was just a total accident. I was sitting on the ground switching lenses. Michael's standing next to me, and all of a sudden, he's like, get up, you got to get it, you got to get it. And I just jumped up and started snapping, and there's the result. <laughs> um, it was just pure accident. And the only thing I wish, there was no fly mask. <laughs> you, you look close, you see the fly mask. On you know, I thing. didn't notice that until you told me. I just, you know, oh. kind of blended into the picture. It was really nice. Um, yeah. And just above that, you know, did you just tell you, uh, you know, Rick is one of many, many volunteers uh, at Old Friends, uh, is a person who's currently doing a portrait of Cat Launch, and I've seen it. It's not finished, but she has put it out on her page, and, and her name is Dagmar Gallantiner Steiner, and she yeah. is so talented, and I see that you were nice enough to uh, uh, put her uh, picture of uh, Delay a Game up there. I mean, it really is a team effort that that, that make uh, old friends go, and I'm sure you've seen it uh, probably more than most. Yep, absolutely. Everybody is, they just love the horses. They're, everybody comes out and just helps and helps. It's, it's been fantastic. And uh, to mention Daggy, um, she's creating a book right now of um, artists. She's using photographs that me and other people have taken. She's making a whole book of portraits like the one that the way of being for a coffee table size book that should be coming out soon. She is a sensational artist. And uh, Absolutely. I hope we can get... Uh, uh, prints made when she finishes because, uh, like I said, the the print that's, uh, that that she posted online mm-hmm. uh, is only about half done. But my God, I mean, you look at it and, and it looks just like the photo. You wouldn't even know that that uh, an, an artist had done it. It's just fantastic. And I know exactly. it'd get a lot of action in the in the Ohio area because that horse was such a hero here. We even had a T-shirt day with the, his his image on it. So. Uh, yeah. Hopefully we, we could get that done and make some more money for old friends. And, um, you know, we always have a benefit up here in Cincinnati uh, on Labor Day. Michael says it's one of his favorites. And, uh, Rick, rumor is uh, if we can get the job done, you're going to be up here uh, signing the history of old friends. Yep, that's it. I'll be up there with uh, my pen and some books. Absolutely. Can't wait to do it. Well, I, uh, I again, let's get back. It's got to be tough working on a farm like that. Um this year has been a particularly tough year uh, for yeah. for Michael and the people at, at Old Friends because uh, they really lost uh, some of their top horses in in kind of a short period of time. Yeah, that's that is the hardest part of working there. In that you know you, but as Michael says, it's kind of a hospice for most of the horses when they reach there. They're at old age, but you still you get attached, and then you know sometimes short time, sometimes long time. You know, they pass away, and you got to get over it and move on. But it, it's great to have them there while they're there, and, and you'll just love every one of them. And, I mean, just to tell people that, he, Michael, uh, his doors are open all the time. If you're ever coming, let's say, to Keeneland or going from one place to another, and you're, you're in central Kentucky, uh, Georgetown's real easy to get to off 75. But uh, just to let you know, some of the, some of the great horses that, that have uh, resided there or that no longer do, uh, horses like a criminal type, uh, black tie affair, 
Bull in the Heather, uh, Phrase, uh, Jade Hunter. Uh, I mean, the list just goes on and on. Polish Navy was there. Again, of course, as you alluded to, one of the favorites and one that kind of kicks off your book, uh, Eclipse Award winner, Sunshine Forever. Uh, it's just amazing uh, the, the number of uh, really um, outstanding, well-known horses that, that you can go down and see and get close to and feed a care to and take a picture of it, old friends. Yeah, Precision, this was another one, Hall of Famer. He was a great one, too. Well, it's uh, now when somebody gets your, your your book, what is it they're going to see? Is it a vignettes of uh, a, a decade of of old friends? Do you start at the beginning and end at the end? How does your book go through? I've I've bookend I've made the I've bookended the book with um, the arrival of Sunshine and Creator because that was that was a biggie. That was they were the first two horses brought back from Japan, and fortuitously, right at the beginning of this year. Jerry came home from Italy. So Michael has brought home six horses from five from Japan and, and one from Italy. Um, so it was kind of a perfect bookend to have them, you know, those horses kind of arrive to bookend the book. In between, I tell the history. Um, I talk about Michael's career and how he got involved and then the uh, iteration of the, the build-up from one farm to another till he got his own farm at Dream Chase. And then I do stories about individual horses. There's one full chapter on Sunshine, uh, Michael's favorite horse, as I mentioned. Um, there's a full chapter about the five big champions that have been on the farm. And then there's more stories about, about I'd say, 40, 50 short little stories about some of the other horses on the farm. I couldn't get them all in, though I tried, <laughs> but I got cut down word-wise, but it worked out okay. And I'm actually hoping to get to do a sequel to get everybody else back in. <laughs> Well, the great great thing is with with uh, Michael's uh, enthusiasm and, and energy, um, I, I see that the I believe that old friends is is going to live on for a long, long time, and and also uh, the great people that that that, that uh, continue to volunteer there. Uh, not only uh, people like yourself, but uh, some of the top veterinarians that offer to do his work. And I understand uh, that the uh, Horseshoe School of Kentucky comes out there yep. on a regular basis. We had uh, one of their instructors on the show just about a month ago. It's, uh, it truly is a, a labor of love and a, and a great team effort out there. It really is. It's, a la- it's, it's everybody helping out, um, doing whatever they can to help, and it's all run and led by Michael, who, who you know, as you know, he's just a force of nature, the force of his personality, which is so um, charming. You know, there's no other way to say it. It just draws people in to, to come and want to help and, and see the horses. Well, uh, now that we've we've uh, positioned this, obviously, hopefully, you can be up at Belterra Park on, on Labor Day weekend. Uh, what are other ways that uh, our listeners can get uh, the history of old friends, a home for retired thoroughbreds written by Rick Capone. Um, it's available, of course, at old friends on their website, or I don't have the number with me. I'm sorry, but you can give them a call. Um, it's also available at, um, you know, uh, on the history net, And of course, Amazon and all the other online bookstores. Um, it's 1999. Um, and 50% of the sales profits do go to old friends and the horses there. Well, from what I've been able to get through, I'd highly recommend it. Rick Capone, thanks for spending time with us tonight on Winning Ponies. Up next, Frank Angst is going to break down the handicapping action from coast to coast. You're listening to Winning Ponies. 
The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now, the Cincinnati kid, Frank Angst. Of course, uh, uh, back when the Thoroughbred Times was uh, alive and well, he was uh, the senior writer there. He's been covering sports for more than 20 years. He's uh, earned numerous awards, including twice receiving the best news writing honor from American Horse Publications. Uh, besides just covering races, he's been handicapping races somewhat successfully, and that's why we continue to have him back with us on Winning Ponies. Of course, uh, right now he is working for our friends at the Blood Horse, though I'm sure he misses his old running partner, Tom Law, who's been a regular on Winning Ponies. So with no longer of an introduction, Frank Angst, how are you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing, John? I'm doing good. I mean, uh, you've got to admit, I I don't recall a July-August that has been more pleasant to be dealing with a sport that's played outdoors. Uh, The the racing's been great. The the weather's been super. Uh, No complaints from me. How about you? In the winter, we don't want to hear too much about Canadian air, but in the summer, it's been a great thing to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll take it. Well, um, Read uh, an interesting article that that you penned uh, several days ago called California Chrome's Connections Also Dreamed of the Breeders' Cup from the start. You know, you're right. We hear so much about that that uh, Triple Crown winning dream that uh, they they felt that this horse was good enough that they didn't waste any time, that they, they went ahead and made sure he was Breeders' Cup eligible besides Triple Crown eligible. Yeah, I mean, they really put their money where their mouth is and uh, nominated that horse right from the start as a foal. And, I mean, we're not... We are not talking about a, an expensive foal or an especially well-bred foal. 
our perceptions of that sire and that family now have gone way up, obviously. But at the time, if you put themselves, put yourselves in their shoes, that was a pretty big commitment to step up and nominate this horse to the Breeders' Cup. And now he's, he's nominated for any Breeders' Cup race this year and going forward as long as he races. Well, hopefully that, that is long. I, I thought that uh, you, you uh, made, made the, the story uh, very interesting uh, in, in talking about kind of the different routes that three-year-olds have taken to the Breeders' Cup Classic. There's certainly no cookie-cutter way of getting there. Yeah, and I, I hadn't really thought about it much until I sat down and just looked at it. And really, you have sometimes you have the Triple Crown winners, uh, Triple Crown race winners that just continue on. Uh, typically, they do take a break in there, but it's pretty amazing to run well in the spring and then replicate it against older horses in the fall. And then other times you have horses that emerge in the summer and fall and put things all together. So uh, there's a lot of ways to get there for sure. Yeah, as you pointed out, that uh, California Chrome and Tonalist will try to join uh, Sunday Silence, Unbridled, AP Indy, and Curlin as the only U.S. Classic winners to take the Breeders' Cup Classic in their three-year-old season. Uh, that's some pretty big company. It's quite an accomplishment, and really, uh, in my mind, I think it should put you in the Hall of Fame pretty much automatic. I, I have to look it up. I don't think Unbridled's in there yet. I, I think he should be there. Oh, ab- absolutely. Well, I must say, with California Chrome kind of going to the sidelines now, um, we, we have seen some nice three-year-olds uh, jump up uh, in, in, in Tonalist and Bayern, uh, Shared Belief and Wicked Strong. Uh, there's no crystal clear picture as to who the top three-year-old is yet. I mean, you absolutely, we absolutely have to pay attention to the Traverse, obviously, which you do every year. But, I mean, it's just a, you know, a lot of different horses can win that race. And then on the West Coast, Shared Belief is really a horse that fascinates me. I just see depths of talent with that horse, and I'm anxious to see him uh, as he points to the Breeders' Cup. And he'll have that advantage of being in Southern California. I think that always helps. Yeah, and I, I do believe that uh, he's going to step his game up next time out. Isn't he uh, preparing to face older horses? He is, yes, uh, in the Pacific Classic. So it's going to be very interesting to see that. I, right now I'll have to see who all shows up, but he would be my pick at this point. Well, um, I'm, I'm wondering if you're going to be uh, spending the gas money to go up to Chicago over the weekend, or will you be watching the uh, the big races from Arlington from uh, your locale there in Lexington? I w- well, in some ways I wish, but uh, I'm sure everyone will be upset. Uh, I'll be in uh, the Florida Keys uh, trying to get by. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> you, you try to do that for us. I'm sure you'll find an OTB parlor someplace. Well, let, let's get okay. on to the big one, uh, a, a race that just captured uh, the the American public from the very beginning. If memory serves me well, and I don't have much of one left, it was the first million-dollar race. Of course, in 81, it was a race that I still don't believe the outcome with uh, John Henry and the shoe beating the Bart. Every time I see that race, I swear the Bart wins it. And uh, Three years later, John Henry coming back with McCarran in the saddle and beating that fantastic Royal Heroine. I mean, this race stamped itself as a great one early on, and let's face it, um, it really has become a significant race. On the international uh, 
uh, land because now you see that uh, they have no problem with some of the top euros uh, shipping in to take their shot at the million and uh, Aiden O'Brien well he'll be going for his third million which technically if should he win it with magician might be his fourth because Powers Court was DQ'd back in 2004 I think he came right back in the next year and won it with him of course, they had a DQ last year. That's been a bit of a, a thing with the million, too. Uh, some prominent DQs in recent years. A real solution got put up last year, and he's back this year. Uh, magician, I mean, you definitely have to start with him, but I'm not comfortable with that 7-5. to five. I, I watched his last race from Europe, and I was just not that impressed. Um, he just seemed flat. That said, he won the Breeders' Cup turf off a ninth place finish, so he's yeah, shown he yeah. can definitely turn things around quickly. But at the close to one to one, I just I can't go there. I think there's some other horses in here I can run big. Well, that's who I want to know who they are. Yeah, I we were speaking of Canada early, and that's where I'm going for my pick up with the birds. Um, I just really liked his Najinsky. I spent a lot of time watching that today, and uh, I have a little. The comments usually are pretty good on the uh, past performances, but I can't. I'm not seeing written out there. I, I see. I'm not going to say he was under wraps, but he wasn't written hard to the wire either. He was well within himself going to the wire. Um, pretty reserved there, I thought. So that makes that effort even more impressive, and you know, feeling maybe a bit of an upset here. Well, uh, I'm kind of looking. It wouldn't be a, a big upset, but you know, I always say, you know. You're judged by the company you keep, and one of the most impressive races I saw was the race won by Seek again last week at Saratoga, and the fact that Real Solution uh, went by him and, and held it at a mile and a quarter. Here's a horse who has never been off the board at a mile and a quarter, has won over $1.1 million. Uh, Javier Castellano, regular rider, will be up there. Uh, again, I got a question mark by Magician. I know he can put in a clunker and come ra- back and run a big one. I respect Aiden O'Brien, uh, but I, I just got a feeling that Real Solution might uh, be sitting on a sitting on a big race for Chad Brown. Only seven horses going to post in the Arlington Million, obviously for a million dollars. Well, let's try to jump into uh, a race that uh, has a few more competitors, and that would be the Beverly D. Uh, that's going to have a field of eleven uh, and eleven uh, pretty well talented. Uh, uh, horses, I, I'm sure even the morning line odds maker had a hard time making this. I think the favorite might be yeah. Stephanie's Kitten at 7-2. to two. Mm-hmm. Heck, that would be a $9 payoff for the favorite. Right. And that's, uh, I mean, you went with the uh, Ramsey's horse in the million, and I'm going to go with the Ramsey's Philly mayor here in the, uh, in the Beverly D. Uh, Stephanie's Kitten just really impressed. She's really put together two nice late runs in a row. Was just denied in the previous start, but I think things go her way in this one. She's an awfully talented horse. Yeah, kind of interesting too. Uh, normally, you'd see Frankie Dettori coming over here riding one of the European horses, and the fact that uh, uh, he ran such a game race in the Diana uh, that uh, he decided to stick with this Chad Brown uh, trainee. I, I think a, a horse that might be a price horse in here that, that somehow is being overlooked. Is the the winner of the Diana? You're getting six to one on Somali Lemonade. I know that was her first Grade One win, Frank, but it, it might be that age is taken well with this horse because she's put uh, her last uh, five races that have all been knockout races against top company. At uh, six to one, I'm going to certainly leave her uh, in my exotics. 
yeah, you can't knock any of her recent starts. And in my opinion, she's arrived. And, uh, you know, whatever, it took her a little while to get here, but she's definitely at the party. You mentioned Frankie DeTore, and that is one of my favorite angles on turf is when a, when a jockey gets on a horse for the first time and puts in a nice effort, this specifically for turf routes, and then comes back and rides the horse again. I think turf racing, the jockeys have a bigger influence on the race. And as they get a feel for the horse, I think they're capable of moving this horse, horse forward in the next start, and that uh, so happens to be Saturday. Well, let's see if that happens. All right, uh, we're talking with Frank Anks from uh, the Blood Horse Magazine. Going to take a quick break here, and we're going to be back to break down the Secretariat and the Alabama. You're listening to Winning Ponies. <laughs> to the pros we, we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeders cup travers haskell or your daily races don't worry let winningponies.com make some money for you have you had a chance to check out voice america's online magazine and blog press pass if you love our hosts and shows check out articles that give an even deeper perspective plus topics about health and fitness movie reviews philosophy business tips and tactics spirituality positive thought current events and even more about your favorite host it's just a click away at vapresspass.com that's vapresspass.com va press pass by voice america all access all the time your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john engelhart got a tip for us need a tip from us if you want to talk with john or his guests the phone lines are now open toll free at 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com now back to winning ponies with john engelhart and with frank angst from the blood horse magazine and uh, we're uh, breaking down uh, the races up at Arlington, and then we're going to uh, take a quick spin over to one of my favorite places, Saratoga, New York. Uh, the the third race we're going to look at from Arlington, it's uh, the Grade 1 Secretariat. There's a half a million dollars up for grabs. This is the 38th running. Now, this race is limited to three-year-olds, and it's bringing nine of them together. Kind of an interesting cast of characters, Frank. Yeah, and uh, I landed on a speedy horse. It's making, admittedly, quite a big jump up uh, in tourists. Uh, one of the restricted stakes at Saratoga, which was his third straight win, and now he goes into a grade one. It's quite a bit, quite a jump, but uh, I definitely have trust in, uh, in Bill Mahat. You can't go wrong there. And, again, I was just visually impressed with his previous effort. Granted, he's going to be seen 
a lot better competition here, but just a very smooth horse and just looks like he has grade one talent to me. Now, Frank, I wanted to ask you this because I was when I was handicapping, I was a bit befuddled in uh, that I saw this was a restricted race, so immediately I noticed it was in New York, and I looked up, but I noticed that this is a Windstar Kentucky-bred horse. Uh, how did the Sir Cat Stakes become restricted? I, I, I would need to look that up, John. I know Saratoga sometimes runs uh, stakes for horses that haven't won a stakes at two turns or haven't won the stakes on the turf, but I, honestly, I don't know the answer to that question, so I don't want to uh, mislead anyone. Oh, very good. You're, you're an honest man, Mr. Hankst. I will tell you that. Well, we talked about uh, Aiden O'Brien uh, shipping in with horses, uh, making kind of a big change here with this long shot, Belisarius, the Irish bred, uh, two things, uh, first-time Lasix, first-time Blinkers, uh, uh, bringing in a, a foreign rider, bit of a head scratcher there. You, you think this horse is worth uh, keeping in your uh, exotics as a price, just because O'Brien's involved with it? And of course, he's sending off the likely favorite, Adelaide. That always makes me nervous. And if I'm playing horizontals and I like one of the trainer's horses, I try to include both of them and pick threes and pick fours. I've just seen it happen too many times where the other horse, <laughs> where the trainer, uh, takes it down. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I know that's happened a lot with uh, horses that Bob Baffert's trained. The one that I thought didn't have a shot is, is the one that jumps up and wins. Um, also, a, a new race uh, that's in the mix here, again, what is what the, the Belmont Derby that was run on the 4th of July weekend. Uh, we have in here a global view, and uh, the horse you referred to in Adelaide, of course, a lot of people saying this Mr. Speaker is turning out to be one heck of a horse who, who won that race. What I don't understand is that O'Donohue was on Adelaide for the Belmont Derby where he only lost by a neck, and now he's on Belisarius, and uh, this jockey Moore is on the morning line favorite Adelaide. Is that, that leaving you scratching your head? Because Joe O'Brien is over there, too, and he's not riding him. <laughs> There's always some interesting jockey choices. Uh, when you have the type of stable that Aiden O'Brien has, he can definitely, uh, people have to answer to him, you know. <laughs> if they're, they can't have hurt feelings for too long because uh, they might, he might be calling them for, with good news a week later. But I still can't figure out if your own son has won a graded stakes race on this horse and then finished second as the favorite in, in a grade two why you wouldn't name name him on the horse? I don't know. I just it's baffling. I don't have an answer. And, and Como Donahue fits the profile I was just talking about. He rode this horse very well at Belmont. I would have liked to have seen him come right back and ride again. I mean, he's already shown that he can give this horse a nice effort. Well, it's a it, it, like I said, it's it's a bit of a head scratcher. Of course, I'm glad to see Joe O'Brien's uh, still winning races. As you may recall, I think maybe it was uh, three years ago when he won the Breeders' Cup uh, uh, turf for his uh, his dad down at down at Churchill Downs, and everybody's saying, "Well, I'm really glad that happened because this kid will probably have to become a jump jockey after this because he's just going to outgrow the sport." But somehow he's been able to maintain his weight, and uh, and he's still riding on the flats. Yeah, he's a very tall young man, and uh, most people thought his riding career wouldn't last too long, but he's still going. Um, don't have it right in front of me, but he is on Magician, right? I believe he's yeah. taking the trip over to ride. Yeah, so 
he's on the favorite in the million, so Dad's taking care of him there for sure. Yeah, so obviously he wasn't too mad at him for that second place finish in the King Edward, but uh, either way, we're, we're, we're seeing a jack change here, so it'll be interesting. Again, uh, we're talking with Frank Angst from uh, uh, the Blood Horse magazine, and uh, he's going to go with uh, a horse, Bill Mott, who has just really seemed to uh, grown into itself. If you look at its buyers over the last four races, it's just jumped point after point after point. Comes into this race with a 103 buyer. Um, can't compare it too much to the European runners, but that's definitely the best of all the all the U.S. runners. So uh, again, in that breaking... Sir Cat, my, in that Sir Cat, my pick was Ring Weekend, and I, I thought he ran a nice race, and there, he wasn't going to be tourist uh, any day of the week. <laughs> so uh, that's what that sold me on tourist. And Joel Rosario will be back in the saddle. So um, we're going to move on now. Uh, we'd like to uh, pick a race uh, from the spa, Saratoga. And this is a race with just amazing history. It's the 134th running of the Grade 1 Alabama. You can go back to uh, 04 when Bell Dame won it, 1932, top flight. Busanda won it in 50, tempted in 58. The Great Shuvi in 69. Uh, the legendary kidnapped horse, Fan Folouche in 70. Our Mims, I was there, 1977. And then, of course, the ill-fated Gopher Wand in 19. And the horses that have turned into modern-day heroes, such as Silver Bullet Day in 99 and Royal Delta in 2011, pretty much you win this race, Frank, you stamp yourself as one hell of a mare down the road. That's for sure. I mean, so many champions have... uh... So many winners of this race have gone on to be named champions, so it's a big-time race for sure. Well, big-time race for sure. i got a big-time handicapper with me. Who do you like in here? It looks like we got rematches of the top horses that came out of the Delaware and the Coaching Club American Oaks. I'd like to give you a long shot, John, but I just can't do it here. I just I have too much respect for when Todd Fletcher gets a horse going in the right direction. I just kind of try to ride that out until they, they go south. and I don't see any reason for stop charging Maria to take a step back here. America intrigues me. An AP Indy Philly, I can definitely see her hitting the board and Maybe I'll include her on the horizontals, but I really think Stop Charging Marie is a standout here. Well, the mystery horse for me in here is size. And and the reason is, you know Bill Mott and how he mm-hmm. never really pressures his horses that much, doesn't ask too much of them, and he, there's a reason why he's in the Hall of Fame. And and here's size who uh, did, did not start uh, as a two-year-old and now as a three-year-old. Uh, has three wins in a second, was very impressive in a terribly sloppy uh, Prairie Meadows, Iowa Oaks. I scratched yeah. my head when I said, what, Bill Mott's out there? And uh, the horse got away as 13-1. to 1. Uh, Again, just kind of a mystery horse. Mott doesn't put him in there just to give him a horse. I, I think you might get a little price in the exotics by putting size in there. And maybe it doesn't hold up because it was a very sloppy track that night. But if you go back and look, oddly enough, horses that run well at Prairie Meadows have won some big Saratoga races over the years. It's very interesting, and I should have researched that more. But I, it's come in quite a few times, the Prairie Meadows horses uh, that run in some of those big races they have out there in the early summer come into Saratoga in the late summer and do very well. Well, we will find out. But, hey, Frank, I as always, I 
Love having you on the show. That's why I reach out to you when I do. Uh, I, I love all your compatriots at, at the Blood Horse. It's a, a magazine that I cherish and subscribe to and uh, enjoy reading you, whether it be online or, or in print. And Thank you very much for being on the show with us this evening. Subscribers are most appreciated. <laughs> I like that hard copy. All right. So we've been talking with uh, Frank Gangs from the Blood Horse. Also, I want to thank Rick Capone. Again, his book is The History of Old Friends. I highly recommend it. Some great photography and some super stories on the outstanding horses that have been cared for there by Michael Blowen and all the volunteers at Old Friends. So uh, for Frank and Rick, I'm John Engelhart overlooking the manicured turf course across the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. Remember, when you come to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.